We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome into the Rotowire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you. Combine edition. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't bring my soundboard. Oh, well, I thought that was just a good enough reggae horn. Breaking news. Morse code. Yeah, old timey news break. Yeah, we got a combine here. Those boys can really fly. DK Metcalf needs bumpers. Like a bowling alley. Megatron. He is Megatron, though. Don't believe the the haters. He can be the least quick least agile guy in the world and I'm, I'm willing to say if you're that fast and uh to resembling it's it, i'm willing to give it a shot okay so let's yeah let's go ahead and just make sense of it because it is hard on its surface to completely digest it because it, as i'm sure the listeners know dk metcalf up until the agility drills was just like kind of blowing everybody away briefly the best ever then the worst immediately later yes yeah that is that is the exact trajectory so obviously checks in six three and three eighths uh 228 pounds um with the with the you know extremely long wingspan the size of like a, a left tackle or something mm-hmm. uh runs the 433 at that size which is just preposterous uh and then jumps out of the gym uh the 40 and a half inch vertical uh insanely good broad jump in the 97th percentile among receivers and then uh the agility drills happen and then the three cone at a 738 and a 20 yard shuttle at a 45 uh, I believe both those marks being worse than Tom Brady. Yeah, so 
that's probably not good. But I, I also kind of have to assume it's one of those things where I almost have to wonder if he like never practiced the drill because if it, he had it can't be that bad, right? Yeah. Well, there's that, and then it's like, yeah, if he had tested it out like in workouts, wouldn't he have been like? wow, I'm bad at that. I'm not going to do it with cameras on me and people watching. Right. So that he went in, it almost strikes me as like he just had like a hubris issue where he was just like, yeah, that's easy. And like went and did it. And, you know, just I, I don't know if he like tangled himself up or something like that. But if Brady's doing it faster, it's getting t- kind of probably to the point where it's like one of us probably wouldn't have been that much worse at it right. especially you i mean you might have you would probably beat dk metcalf's uh, agility drills i i like to think so I've been yeah i think you it. would we can say that actually john has better agility drills than dk metcalf Folks, it's true but uh yeah dk metcalf's still the one more likely to get drafted and i think it's it's kind of interesting because the way this receiver class especially played out is like everybody's amazing apparently yeah so even though metcalf like okay for, i guess i should back up I think the agility drills are both a legitimate concern, like it's legitimate to be concerned about it, and it's also totally legitimate to just basically ignore it because as much as it's bad, and it is bad, we also have this precedent where receivers that are especially as big as him, uh, like tall receivers, just skip agility drills pretty often. Like Calvin Johnson didn't run it. Josh Gordon didn't run any. Mike Williams went seventh overall, didn't run any. Nope. So... For all we know, those guys would have had pretty terrible numbers, too. We can't assume they would. But why didn't they run them if they were good at it? Right. Like, even Calvin Johnson went after Jamarcus Russell. It's like he had something to gain. Well, I guess maybe not playing for the Raiders, but it's not like the Lions were any better. So uh, I think it's there's this thing where it's like if you're tall, if you have like a catch radius of a certain sort and you're good enough at just, uh, you know, eluding the jam and then jumping and and high pointing the ball when it's in traffic and just boxing people out it doesn't matter that you can't do a 20 yard shuttle too so because we have we know that we only know about gordon and, and calvin johnson like the 40 the vertical the broad jump type stuff and we know metcalf is amazing at those so what if he had just never run those agility drills would we does it really make sense for us to say before he does those drills, like, oh, man, he's so good. Yeah, and then timer. afterward being like, never mind, actually. At least not without the, the test case. I, th- I think we can't really think that way. It just doesn't doesn't seem reasonable to me. But Metcalf, whatever whatever th- he might have proven, it's like you can easily just like forget about it, get desensitized to the fact because there were a ton of other guys who were just insane workouts. It's like th- those broad jump 40 vertical numbers for DK Metcalf would be just – uh, unreal if not for guys like paris campbell and emmanuel hall just kind of being like yeah us too right and so it's like those guys were so much better than expected i don't even blame anybody for remaining a metcalf skeptic because those other players gain ground too yes they really yeah the rest of the class really proved to be you know like cu- coming into the weekend uh, i've felt at least that that the, the re- receiver class was deep and good uh and certainly better than this running back one but i i just didn't know the extent to which uh that i was had no true. clue i was caught totally off guard it, by that stuff it was just I, it, it seemed like every single you know testing score that that came in on Miles saturday Boykin. Morning, yes we'll, we'll get to him i will spend several <laughs> minutes on him because yeah. it's nuts but uh to wrap up on on metcalf quickly let's say that you know he he it, he does go ahead and like try to rectify the the agility scores of his pro day i don't know i'd say it still probably wouldn't be better than 50th percentile at, the, at his position i would i would guess so it can't I mean, be like, good even if it even if it's almost certainly better it cannot be good so i think 
maybe it's fair and and you know this is something I've seen a little bit uh p- tossed around and and you can kind of see it on his spider chart on uh on mock draftable a uh, great resource if you haven't already started using that but maybe lower the expectations from like the TO maybe to more like a Des Bryanty type of trajectory yeah that's that's an interesting one I've uh I have not familiar off the top of my head with what Des's agility drills were uh oh actually they were really bad Yep. Um, so yeah, did you, I don't know if you knew that ahead of time, but that's interesting because yeah, Des had the only a four five two forty uh, had a really insane ten yard split though. He was like one point four flat, which is which is really great. And he had thirty eight inch vertical, one hundred thirty three inch broad jump. Three cone was seven two one, which mock draftable has in uh, what is this the bottom ten percentile. Mm-hmm. And the twenty yard shuttle four point four eight, pretty close to Metcalf's. Yep, I think right his was there. four five flat. Yes. So yeah, which basically is third the same percentile. And uh, yeah, that's that's with Metcalf being more than an inch taller too. Like on a lot of uh, on a lot of rosters, he would just get rounded up to six four. Like it's it's generally the half point. Like if it's more than three eighths, they round you up. But wouldn't no one would blink if he was listed at six four, especially with that kind of wingspan. Sure. So I think you have to more so defer to the athleticism, but it's, it's just a complicated case even still because it's like so extreme. We were already doing quite a bit of projection too with, with Metcalf. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's one thing to ask people to, to just look, have the faith, just project the missing games like on an aid, like follow the age adjusted trends of his past performances and project that production. If you really need to imagine that it's there, but now it's like, even if they do that, then I still have to go. All right, and now pretend agility is not a thing. And <laughs> uh, if you will, it's it's easy. Just pretend it's not a thing. And so there's plenty of reason to be anxious about Metcalf, especially because there's so many other good receivers. Instead, it's like even if you want to chase upside, you could rationalize. You know, just. Uh, waiting till the second round going after Manuel Hall. yeah Manuel Hall, who I don't know if he's a top 12 to most people but he is for I ha- I have him in my top 12 now and I yep. you too okay so yeah I don't know if he'll fall that far but it's like there's there's a lot of speed and guys who can jump in this draft and if you so if you want one of those you don't have to take Metcalf at the first pick you could at least try to trade back or something yeah it's, it's funny how you know coming into the pre-draft process I feel like we all felt uh, that Metcalf was really the only one and only like wide true wide receiver one prototype type of guy, but now yeah, like like you said, we've seen through the testing this past weekend, just it's a lot deeper even at the top than, than we had previously thought. Yeah, and I I don't even know if I'm really on the board on board with like the wide receiver one ideal because i'm wondering if it's just kind of like obsolete now in, in a league where it's also like you're expecting like how many megatrons are, are there really going to be at, you know there's that you can be counting on that necessarily there's that and with the league going three wide and with more trips more slot receiver snaps than ever it's almost to me like the idea of actually paying and for acquiring a true wide receiver one in the sense that we basically mean like tall and heavy and still as fast as the small receivers is basically what we mean by that um it's almost kind of like maybe having like carmelo anthony on your basketball team or something where it's like you lose resources by trying to rationalize their placement on the team Mm -hmm. to the point that you know it's like he can he's like just better whatever one versus one on some basis but like what it takes to accommodate them and implement them to the point that they're productive enough to justify their acquisition price you might be just like putting out more uh easily anticipated route 
combos, like play calls that aren't as varied, mm-hmm. something like that. Because you want to be able to ha- you want to be able to threaten the defense from every route runner if possible. So I don't even think we really need to j- tell ourselves like that guy's Calvin Johnson. We can just be like that guy's impossible to cover downfield in single coverage if there's a slot receiver as good as this other guy on the team drawing attention over here and when you combine them the offense is really tough to stop and i think that's where the league is headed so it's like even though emmanuel hall and paris campbell and dk metcalf are very different styles of receiver even though they're similar athletically it's like they each one of them has scenarios where they could be more productive than the other just because they inherit a role that's you know just more available on a particular team like if a team that's going to throw for 4500 yards this year has a slot receiver roll up for grabs then the slot guy beats the other two who are only you know playing on a 3800 yard offense where they they have to uh, battle three other good receivers just to get on the field or something like that so there's a lot of ways that a guy like campbell hall whatever mecole hardman can step up and just outproduce other guys even if they have higher prospect grades ahead of them so I actually like the idea of if there's a big Metcalf head in your league, which I generally consider myself a Metcalf head, but if there is one, maybe just see how much they're willing to pay. Because if you go back a few spots, I don't think you meaningfully hurt your odds. And AJ Brown, guy like that, didn't even test that like you know notably, but it was still very good. And him and Unkill Harry are both yeah, let's totally talk about that. yeah. So the, my top three didn't actually change. It, DK Metcalf. AJ Brown and kill Harry kind of just a one, a one B one C. And that didn't change. Like Harry came in 15 pounds heavier than his listed weight. Uh, the four, four, eight, I think he ran, uh, had a good broad jump, good vertical. And it's like, I don't have any questions about him now. None at all. He might not have as much upside as Metcalf, but I have no questions about him. I have okay. very few questions about AJ Brown who ran a four, four, nine at 225 pounds. Like he's not doing Olympic, you know, Byron Jones stuff like these other guys, but he proved he has the athletic traits that he needs for his style of play to translate. For sure. So like, there's there's so many ways you can attack this class and come out with real value, I feel like. Yeah, he was a guy that – or A.J. Brown uh, really was a guy that came in with you know the top two or three uh, billing depending on who you asked. And, and yeah, like he – just the fact that he didn't like raise his stock with a with a crazy workout, it was more just kind of in line with you know a, a first round receiver, but like certainly not like a generational type of workout that he put on. But yeah, I think more than anything, like he like those two uh, AJ Brown and and Keel Harry both just sort of like checked the boxes this weekend. So while there's a lot of noise right now because other guys did so much for their stock, those two guys just kind of solidified it, and maybe some people are like kind of underestimating just the importance of just being able to not screw this up yeah they definitely they at least held ground and i think there's a possibility that both brown and and kill harry and a few other guys i mean i don't think it even stops there there might be a bunch of receivers that just moved up like 20 spots or more on a bunch of boards not that it would be brown and uh, harry because they both were probably no lower than like 40 on any given board sure but if you had any if you liked aj brown and and kill harry at all and you were just like going into the combine hoping they wouldn't you know let you down you like them as much or more than you did before at this point yep so yeah i like i'd like both of those guys as potential first round picks and even after metcalf's showing and even with the noted upside there it's like i just i can't imagine arguing with someone who prefers brown or harry in any particular order right because it, you know each each of those guys kind of like have their their case so different positions almost too so it's true and then uh yeah one last thing on brown like i felt like coming in people were worried about the the long speed and for him to run a sub four five at 228 pounds is like 
pretty good. Yeah, and his game never needed long. Like, if he had just run, like, a 4-5-8 or something, I think I would have been, like, totally fine. He's, he's like, fringe first round, just like he was before. It doesn't matter. But under 4-5 at 225. And also, I still, I still got to believe there's a chance that he gets asked by a team, like, drop to, like, 218, 220. And maybe in that case, he's running, like, 4-4-4 or something like that. So I think if if that trade is possible, I would make it because as much as AJ, AJ Brown doesn't need to have like safety splitting speed to be good, it would be nice because it's like he he should break tackles quite a bit, and it's like if you have the speed to outrun the people who are trying to recover on you, that's that's nice. Uh, but worst case scenario, he's breaking that tackle and then someone catches him after he gets like eighteen yards or something. Yep. So I I don't really have any concerns with him and anyone that that thought he was like you know stiff or slow coming in probably uh, is no longer uh, saying that. Um, so let's get into yeah a couple of those guys that really really opened eyes to to the non mainstream uh, and we'll start out because we had talked about Hall a fair bit and we'll get to his workout, but. Uh, Paris Campbell really, you know, was just yeah. kind of insane. I mean, I think we both kind of predicted that, you know, coming from a program like Ohio State, where these guys are just like so well coached, so well trained, they're already like big time recruits when, when they get there and that, you know, spending a few years in that Columbus, you know, strength and conditioning program, it's going to end up working out well. And it obviously, you know, that bared out to be true uh, once again. So Paris Campbell coming out and running the 4-3-1, I, I can't say that I was expecting him to, you know, be the top receiver at, at that uh, drill per se, but it doesn't shock me that he tested extremely well. Yeah, I figured he'd be more like 4-3-5 than 4-3-1, but uh, you watch the tape and you you can totally believe 4-3-1. It's not like you turn on the tape and you're like, I don't know, I don't really see it. You watch him and it's like, oh yeah, the, he's just different from the Big Ten defenders. Yes. So it's an interesting case it actually it kind of reminds me not of the stylistic sense but it reminds me of just kind of like the category of prospect and like the pluses the minuses with dj moore because moore was a guy who put up really insane numbers like market share especially but on a per target basis of any standard he he graded very highly and he was really young for how he produced the way he did and then he had the great combine not nearly as good as campbell but like the general gist with him was is like he can't really run routes that well but he's really athletic and if you just get him the ball somehow people can't tackle him very easily right so with campbell it's not so much that he was like when i watched more it was more like they would just kind of like throw the ball to him and he would just fight the defender and catch the they ball they had to because maryland's quarterback play was also so bad they were just kind of like he probably didn't even have a great like depth of target thing just because like couldn't really get him the ball beyond 10 yards totally and as, as a result he came into the league with a pretty i, I think a pretty clear lack of polish as a route runner because it was like the, the all they needed him to do for the thing to work was just go over there and like we'll throw it at you and just catch it okay and with paris campbell it was a variation of that but instead of like the jump ball over and over it was like okay you line up in the slot these two fast guys are going to go that way and uh you go that way instead and uh you know somebody will get the ball and usually paris campbell was just kind of running like a jet sweep or a like drag route kind of thing where he just trots across the field and like maybe slows down a second a second a second when second when he and then he just keeps going and the ball doesn't come to him then it's going far downfield to mclaurin or dixon or whoever Mm -hmm. but if it does go to campbell he just catches it and then splits the safeties just over and over and over so 
we don't know that he can't do other things, but Ohio State had no reason to ask him to do more. That's true. Because the basic thing kept working, so it's like, why make it more complex? Um, but yeah, the question is basically the, what will determine of like where he heads in his career trajectory is basically like the answers to the questions of can he do more. And if not, is it because he just can't develop it or because he didn't get enough reps? And like, if he gets reps, will he improve in those areas? But I'm, I'm inclined to be more toward the optimistic end just because there's no historical case of a guy with his athleticism and production failing. You okay. just can't find it. So I think, I think he's pretty interesting. And I, th- I think he's like DJ Moore in that he's primitive as a route runner right now. And it's anyone's guess whether he gets better, but in the meantime, if you get him on the field, you're probably going to have to justify his placement on the field by doing a lot of design touches, uh, just simple routes to get him the ball quickly and establish the threat of getting him the ball quickly. And maybe with time, maybe right away, he'll be able to do other routes because, again, it's like Ohio State just didn't ask him to do it. We don't know that he can't. Yeah, and it's, and like you know, with the athleticism like that, I think it'd be foolish to argue more strongly that he wouldn't develop that skill yeah and the other thing that's interesting is i didn't know this until uh i guess like yesterday or a couple days ago but paris campbell even though he's a redshirt senior he's not old like he's he's not 22 he's gonna turn 22 i think in the summer okay he actually skipped kindergarten i guess which i didn't know you know that's cool yeah so he's a redshirt senior but he's the same age as like any fourth year senior so that's nice because if he was like 20 this is something that mclaurin has you know one of one of his concerns is like he had an insane combine too and he's totally good prospect like i would guess he could go as soon as the second and i'd be surprised if he falls past the fourth really but he was like 24 when he put up his insane number so it's like basically we're we're, to get it to get some perspective on that it's like imagine paris campbell of last year competing against the terry mclaurin of two or three years ago okay and imagine the gap between them in that case so that's that's one thing that's interesting about Campbell because it's like if he's still young and underdeveloped, that's very different than being like 23, 24 and underdeveloped. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, in your new uh, top 36 that you released over on the website, you bumped Car- uh, Paris Campbell up to number six. Wait, do you remember off the top of your head where you had him coming in? I don't. Uh, I can pull that up pretty quick here, okay, though. So, but, still, um, but yeah, like, he's at six, and I was – I mean, you're making a statement by putting him up there. Yeah, I think some people will agree with it. Um, I had him way back at actually. Oof, it's not looking good for me. Where did I put him? Um, well, the, I think, oh, I had him at twelve before. So oh, okay, that's um, not, I thought it would, it would have been like past the twenties or something. So you you had a, you had a good scent on him then. Well, it's just it was one of those things where I had him behind Harmon, who Calvin Harmon, I think, had maybe the most disappointing combine aside from or along with like a, not as bad as Elijah Holyfield and Devin Singletary. But it's like those three we'll guys, guys but. Yeah, big letdowns. But uh, Harmon lost a lot of ground. Paris Campbell gained on him. Emmanuel Hall gained on him. Uh, we talked about Hall a lot on these podcasts. I think he really is just like Mike Wallace. Like he could do more underneath stuff. And if he if he has like a plus plus outcome, that's the way it happens. But at the very least. I feel like people are going to look at him and compare him to Chris Conley because it's like, oh, an SEC receiver I didn't know about who had a really crazy combine. He must be a workout warrior. It's probably more like he's comparable to Will Fuller. And uh, who else did I have in mind here? Yeah, I would compare him to Will Fuller and Mike Wallace more than Conley because his per-target production was really good at Missouri. 
And those targets were not low difficulty no, very often. Like he, he was going way downfield and just winning. Like he could he could do it in a variety of ways. But yeah, more often than not, and he was doing it for you know since 2016. I want to say he started to kind of really start to blossom. But over the last two years, especially, I mean to to sustain the kind of productive success where he's averaging over 20 yards a catch in the SEC uh, for a team that's kind of middling to you know below average within the conference so usually kind of playing against you know on paper more, more talented guys and he's still putting up that those kind of numbers yeah impressive. and uh for whatever drops issues he might have it's like his catch rate is totally good and then when you factor it against the yards per target it's like oh man yeah this is this is definitely acceptable production sure so he ran a 439 a 43 and a half inch vertical along with a 141 inch broad jump which i think is a record for receivers yep so it's like dk metcalf is insane but hall had an insane combine campbell had an insane combine and uh, that's my six seven there i kept our sega white side at eight even though he did not participate and that was that was tough i i had basically Hall, Campbell, Arcega, Whiteside, and Hardman kind of in like my second wide receiver tier now. Uh, left gave Arcega, Whiteside benefit of a doubt over Hardman because Arcega, Whiteside's got a really great production. I think. Do you know why he didn't do any of the testing? I would guess he just wants a more favorable environment, and I mean it might i don't know what it if it was a good idea or a bad idea but it's like he can't compete athletically with guys like hall and metcalf so it's like it almost yeah. might have been a good thing to just like hide for a little while sure. so everybody forgets so everyone's not just like oh 35 and a half you slow uh you know doughy you get out of here <laughs> yeah uh so now he's now he's at least like got some time to be in a friendlier track where he puts up like a four five eight and no one's like that's you know we only like four three nine receivers now Mm -hmm. uh so he he could slide he could test terribly for all i know but i i have the faith for now because i I really like what he shows on tape and i think the production is is really great with our sega white side too but hardman at nine i i might have had him higher than this in the past but i I think i actually like lowered him down to like 20 or something because i was initially ashamed of myself for for being so high on him and because like everybody else was just like he's a sixth round pick fifth round pick and i i was like well, I thought he was a second, and so I was like, "Well, I'll say I'll I'll concede third or fourth yeah, round." Then, but now I'm back on the second round. Let's go. Yeah, so four three three, Harbin's five ten one eighty seven. He has. I would bet he has to do good in team interviews and stuff because he's you know just like a football junkie kind of person and super competitive, and he's got the inside the slot and the outside reps burning speed we know he can win from both spots and he's still just like two and a half years into playing receiver Mm -hmm. so between being pretty young and then not even experienced for his young age and and being as good as he was with those things considered i have every bit of faith that hardman's going to be really good i think so too and god the uh the 40 was really impressive i mean for him to to come out and run was it 433 433 yeah just real i mean that just you know he was a guy that needed to do that because you know for him to show up at, at the 510 187 it's like okay he does kind of need to kill the speed stuff and he mm-hmm. did so so i mean i it's not like it was surprising per se but it was like it was even a little bit better than what i was already expecting and i already had pretty high expectations for what he was going to be able to do in that uh particular drill yeah and like we saw that alabama game a couple of years ago where which was his only like his 12th or 13th game at receiver and uh just just totally torched tony brown he ran a four three five and it's like oh well i guess that checks out then so he is that fast and it's good to know uh 
you could easily argue that Andy Isabella should still be ahead of uh, McCole Hardman. He ran even faster in the 40, a 4-3-1. Yep, so for tied, this, for, tied for the lead. Yep, yeah, match Paris Campbell and also very precisely match Denzel Ward, who he beat in a 200-meter dash in high school. He also ran a 4-3-1, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wild. Yeah, that's, that's like crazy uh, symmetry or something like that. Uh, so yeah, you can easily argue for Isabella over Hardman. I I'm just kind of getting a little greedy with the upside because Hardman's younger. And I, I really do think that the fact that he changed to receiver just like two and a half years ago is significant. Yep. So I'm, I'm imagining like two years from now and I, I just think Hardman will be better, but I, I, whatever difference between them is not, even if I'm right, which I could easily be wrong, but even if there is that difference between them, as I think, Isabella is still looking really good and mm-hmm. if he ends up on a, in a more favorable spot than Hardman or even a bunch of these guys that I named ahead of him he could easily be worth like the first overall pick in dynasty drafts uh this year so there's there's a wide range of outcomes and I think anyone who tells you otherwise is just kind of full of it okay but uh Isabella did come in a little shorter than Hardman five nine uh they both had short arms and hands i think isabella was a little bit uh, smaller yet right but um isabella ran that four three one and we saw him on tape uh just he should be able to do ty hilton things yeah i, I, I love that comparison it's it's funny just like how how much pushback there was even though there is like kind of this like urban legend building like man like isabella seriously might run the fastest 40 of, of all the receivers and people are like no 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 way no chance and then he goes ahead and and stamps it it was awesome but first there was, they initially timed him at like four five six so people were like the false slot fast receiver the false <laughs> uh the false fast slot receiver yeah they're just like we knew it we knew it and then like 10 minutes later they come it's like oh sorry we meant a four three one and oh like, dear god and they're like yeah well you know whatever and they just buried themselves in sand so yeah the after the, the uh, slot receivers are slow crowd went back under the ground like cicadas and <laughs> not uh, to be heard of for another 13 years to wait until andy isabella drops a pass and then they come back up yeah they'll be yeah they'll be drop truthers uh, after that so another receiver one that i think relative to where he was in the pecking order of all things uh coming into the combine i don't think any receiver did better for himself than miles boykin oh god Notre yeah. Dame. uh so he's a guy that i think if even like his biggest backer even like the most ardent notre dame fan probably wouldn't have even said that he's much more than like a late six round pick coming into this weekend yeah, yeah. uh and he he weighs in uh, he's a big guy he always was i mean that's something that was blatantly obvious on his film but he looked kind of blocky and a little bit slow uh checking in at 64 like 220 uh but then you know the things started to change uh saturday morning with the insane vertical jump i think he was behind only uh emmanuel hall in that or, or might have tied with him and then he was you know also near the top of the position in the in the broad jump and it's like okay he's got like that that lower body strength but I mean, how fast is he really? Because on film, he didn't look like like he was the the biggest burner. But again, at that size, he comes out and runs a sub four five uh, forty, and like you know, that's just sort of like where a four was four this? two, yeah. yeah so, so really, really fast. He had a four four two forty, a forty three and a half inch vertical, one hundred forty inch broad jump, and then the agility score was good too. It was ten point eight four between. So that's just adding the three cone and the twenty yard shuttle. So that's just like a more it's boringer kind of mock draftable graph and i was trying to think about this because i was like it seems too good to be true that someone is just like this athletic and 
you know, overlooked. So he, and I, tr- I tried to think about it. It's like you look at the other guys who are this athletic. There are a few guys who have been like this, but not quite as athletic as him. And even in their cases, more it's boring or went undrafted because he was like a, just an immigrant, basically. Like he never played <laughs> he before. He's just like dunking on these like little German boys. It's like somebody was out in German. It's like, that guy's fast. Let's catch him and make him play football. And then he didn't turn out to be good at it. And they're just like, get out of here. But Miles Boykin <laughs> played at Notre Dame. And he, he, even though he didn't have a remarkable year, he was reasonably productive. Well, I, yeah, I saw this thing on Twitter, you know, sort of trying to rationalize I think, or maybe trying to backtrack for maybe not having really any idea about Miles Boykin to begin with, because it, someone said grossly or yeah, grossly underutilized. Um, maybe, but no, no, the answer, the answer to that is F no. Uh, okay. He was a 25% market share guy. Uh, no. And uh, so that's 6% higher than the next highest guy on Notre Dame. That was Chase Claypool at 19%. Yeah. So clearly their number one receiver by a fair margin uh, saw a hundred total targets this year. So any argument like, Oh, he just like, he just wasn't used right. Like that's not true. He was like there. He was like, he was like their Mike Williams, the way that that the Chargers used him last year, where he could probably disappear for stretches of time, but he was at the same time always their best deep threat and their best red zone threat. So he he had the the more high difficulty downfield kind of throws, and he, he had eight touchdowns. I think the next closest player was probably like four or five receiving yeah, touchdowns, for, probably from like yeah from Claypool, probably four for Claypool. I'm even thinking so. Uh, Claypool could be pretty good. Maybe yeah, they maybe they were just take both his role next year. Yeah, I mean maybe they were just both way better than people thought, and uh, maybe like even though Book was better than uh, what is it Wimbush Wim- Brandon Wimbush. Yeah. Even though Book was better than Wimbush, maybe Book wasn't still that good. Maybe like these receivers actually were pretty just sick the whole time. But yeah, yeah he had eight, okay. But yeah, he had he only caught fifty nine percent of his targets, but he also did eight point seven yards per target. So it's like the rest of the offense was more something like sixty. 2% catch rate for like 7.6 yards per target kind yep. of thing. And he also went like uh, shortly after book took over um, to the perce- perceived to be tougher games, tougher secondaries that he faced uh, this season. Uh, he went for uh, over hundred yards against both Stanford and Virginia tech, both, both of those teams that, that put uh, pros out uh, into this combine. So uh, I think the, the Chris Conley comp that you were talking about earlier, I think that applies to Boykin a little bit more where it's like his production was never like crazy, crazy, but uh, the or he did more for his stock via the combine than anyone else in recent memory where Conley, I think, was probably like at best a sixth or seventh rounder. That's true. That, that just absolutely blew up the combine and turned himself into a third round pick. I mean, do I think that Chris Conley is a great NFL receiver? Like not at all. But um, I think Boykin has at least put himself on a similar trajectory trajectory where he's getting snaps yeah i thought to be fair we didn't have target data for the prior case but with boykin i feel like since we know he was doing 8.7 yards a target and at a reasonable catch rate for how the offense was constructed i think that just checks a box that conley didn't i know conley had like a a long uh high yards per catch kind of thing but he still didn't really like produce notably there and i feel like boykin was just productive enough that he could be ranked a little bit higher he's also bigger than conley by quite a bit even though posting slightly better at least yeah i think he probably posted better numbers all around uh had to be pretty close because 40 plus inch vertical 140 inch broad jump like i think conley Conley had a crazy broad jump he did but it was only crazy to like five years ago standard so it was probably like 132 or something um 
but yeah, I, th- I think he was probably 139. Like 139. So yeah, that was that was probably at what like 210 or something. Uh, 213. Oh, 213. So it is pretty similar. It's just I what I went with the comp for this article for Boykin was Dante Moncrief, just because he was kind of a guy who had that like. 800 yard eight touchdown kind of production and then he put up really good combine numbers at 220 or whatever he did so he, he's a guy who is very athletic and is has been like inconsistent in the nfl anyway even though he was also productive at mississippi so i'm not a, assuming boykin's like a star or anything now I, I can imagine he can is just like a moncrief kind of guy who's like he's big and he's fast but like you know you can have him if you want kind of thing but yeah. he also could be really it's like if i overlook him that badly then i i have to accept that i just don't know much about him yeah i think i need to look back and re-examine specifically like the the, the play speed because uh you know the long speed was some was my biggest concern coming in i thought that he was gonna you know run like a four six or 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 worse than that and i was talking to my friend who's a, is a pretty you know sharp notre dame fan and no one ever thought that he was a burner during his entire time no. uh, there so i mean we'll, we'll just have to see if he can really kind of if he does translate that speed on the field maybe better than we thought because coming in again i really didn't see the four four two i i feel like i sh- i want to at least suggest that even if we even if we think boykin is like probably another conley type of thing i think he at least pretty much closed the gap with Hakeem Butler, who's a similar kind of player and had totally good combine in his own right, actually broke the uh, wingspan record that DK Metcalf briefly set for the wide receivers. Uh, I don't know what this, I don't know what you're supposed to do with this number, but 83 and seven eighths inches. Uh, so it's wild. Big catch radius and in four, four, eight, 40 for Hakeem Butler, 128, 128 inch broad jump. Those are numbers that would have made people like lose their minds like 10 years ago. And uh, if not for this insane combine, people might have gotten worked up about him in this one. Um, but yeah, he had he had one year of production, basically like a fly route and sideline guy, had some drops issues, but really frightening downfield. Like a guy that big, he's pushing 6'6", and he's at 227. With that wingspan factored in and the 448 speed, it's like a corner in single coverage downfield that's pretty specifically your worst nightmare like yeah. other than just getting like dusted by 30 yards it's like I, oh my god i'm gonna look like an idiot when this guy just like puts his hand on my head and like gently lays me down and like <laughs> one hand catches with the other and just like or you can jump on him and he'll carry you to the end zone whichever yeah. one um so yeah it's like he he's a guy with pretty profound limitation concerns and that you can't really imagine him running like slot routes or running drag routes over the middle of the field but it's like he might be so dangerous in that don't, one yeah, don't regard use him that just don't use him that way like yeah he might be so dangerous in the one way he is so good unique in that sense it's sort of like it reminds me of like imagine if jaleel scott was good <laughs> yeah yeah i i actually compared him to darren waller and said but i think darren Waller's good though so you know back off yeah <laughs> uh, so I, I still think darren waller is good but it is it was a similar thing with waller he was actually bigger he was like 240 but he did something similar like just stupid speed and vertical and broad jump so yep as so, and waller did catch on a little bit late last year by the way so keep an eye uh, is he on the raiders now I, he's on the ravens i thought oh wait no yeah you're right he is on the raiders yeah i think the ravens just had to let him go to oh, point. dang yeah he's on the raiders um but yeah so in any, i'm not saying butler should move to tight end far from it um but i, I just think it's like that's 
that's what he does for you. He's like, he's just like fast and wingspan. And it's just like, how do you, how do you cover as much ground as him after the first like 10 yards or something like that? Yeah. You just can't. God. And just like the, you know, the size adjusted athleticism of being able to run, you know, sub four five at that size is just, that's just bonkers. And that was, I'm just guessing that was probably with like a rough first 10 yards, like from 30, from 10 to 40, he might've been like one of the five fastest receivers for all we know. Cause he might've run like one six, five or something for the first, t- just cause he's got such long legs at almost six, six. Uh, I think he was six, five and three eighths. So he just barely missed six, six. So yeah. So he's, he's obviously a huge, unique talent. I, I'd expect for him to, I think there's a, there's a decent chance that someone talks himself into him being one of the first three receivers off the board. It could happen. I really, I, I really think anyone who, other than like sourced reporters who just have actually infiltrated team front offices and know for sure what their boards are, no one should be able to tell you with any certainty like which ones of these receivers will go in which order. Uh, I think they're all going to go pretty high. Like I think we might see a record for the number, like the the percentage of the first like 75 picks that are receiver we might set a record this year i don't know what the record is but it's i can't imagine it's far off what these guys will put up so last year and this uh spans it out to the first three rounds so the first hundred picks okay uh we had 10 receivers go and i think we felt like it was kind of a light ish that was uh, last year yes Um, i think there's going to be at least 15 okay yeah i haven't actually counted it up but i i i am like a accepting that and b kind of wondering like maybe we should go higher i don't even there's it there's so be. many good receivers because like, we we didn't even have preston williams at the combine and as as impressive as butler and boykin and guys like that were i still have preston williams ahead of them because i wouldn't be surprised at all if the colorado state pro day comes up and he just does like a four three five himself and yes. a 40 inch vertical he was a five-star recruit for a reason and he turned on the colorado state tape and it's like that guy should be on a different team or something. It's just <laughs> immediately you see it. So that could be optical illusion, but I kind of doubt it. Yeah, he's different than, you know, like I think maybe someone would would go with the the lazy comp of other uh, Colorado State receivers because they do have kind of like an oddly consistent track record of turning out these like yeah gallup and Rashard higgins yes both those guys were you know easily over 1500 yards in their uh peak years at colorado state so uh williams cut from a completely different cloth yeah totally and um but yeah it's like you you can forget about a guy like that easily if you look at all these other receivers and i that's very rarely the case usually a guy like preston williams is like a lot of people's pet favorite because everybody loves the the big fast receiver uh with with like the intrigue of the the small school diamond in the rough narrative or like Mm -hmm. the redemption narrative like he got kicked out but actually he's now you know got everything on the up and up and i'm not trying to like you know make fun of those scenarios when they do have and that could be what he's got going i don't know he could still have whatever issues he used to have that's the most important thing for him i think everybody knows he's probably going to be a great athlete it's just like uh, and I'm I'm assuming teams are generally okay with him because Mel Kiper floated him as the 25th overall pick to the Eagles a couple of weeks ago, and okay. I assume he wouldn't say that if he heard from people saying like, "Yeah, Preston Williams is a psycho. We don't want anything to do with him." Exactly, exactly. So then again, to you know the sort of larger uh, zooming out to this receivers class, guys that made themselves a ton of money. There are so many of them, and with that, that's what makes Kelvin Harmon's workout all the more damaging yeah and i'm struggling with this one i knew like immediately it was like that's bad that's not good and i'm still trying to figure out how bad i think it is i lowered him to 36 
after previously having him, I so think Mr. it's Mr. Irrelevant in your top 36. Yes, exactly. And I don't know how I feel about even putting him there. It's like I could t- I could convince myself to put someone else ahead of him too. Yep. And I could also convince myself to put him a little higher because it's like he was – I thought he was listed at like 6'3", 210, and he came in more like 220. And it wouldn't be shocking to me if his pro day comes up and it's like, oh, he weighed 213 and he ran a 4.47 this time. That That would not be surprising. But – you can't put up numbers like that in a class this good where everybody else is just like dominating their testing. So I compared him to Shea Hodge, who was just this not there are throughout history plenty of nondescript, like really productive receivers, even guys who are good on market share and per target terms, who just don't do anything in the NFL. And Shea Hodge was this guy who had a totally good career at Mississippi and he was like a six one, two ten plus kind of guy. So I went with that comparison just because Hodge ended up having just like uh, bottom fifth, I think, kind of percentile athleticism for the NFL, and yeah, he's just like a practicing outside guy. of size and the bench press. He came in well under average, like uh, I think under the thirtieth percentile on pretty much all of his athletic tests. And that's specifically really bad for Harmon because his whole game was like limited to start with the theory of him was limited it was like he plays outside and he does post routes and he catches the ball on the sideline and he makes acrobatic catches over there uh he 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 has the speed it goes the theory to to uh you know create the separation downfield and now it's like well he's not going to cause separation in the nfl if he has like a 32 and a half inch vertical and a 4 6 40 like he might still be okay but he can't he cannot do in the NFL the things that he got away with in college. He has to figure out an adjustment that other players don't have to. Yep. So he he looks like a definite day three guy now that I think you know could last into like the fifth round. And and uh, the Harmon wide receiver one contrarian people out there uh, have since retreated to their bunkers yeah among others and i might convince myself to list more players even later ahead of him but i have darius slayton from auburn who also had an insane testing there he was four three only six foot one 190 so it's not as crazy as these other guys who are doing it at like 200 220 right but still very fast four three nine forty forty and a half inch vertical 135 inch broad jump i feel like he could be useful in the nfl and it looks like he won't cost a whole lot either um jazz ferguson i have ahead of calvin Harmon. i have him at 33 overall um big guy, i'm open to ranking 40 for his size too yeah he he had dk metcalf agility drills too but it's like i i i, I don't know what the nfl would think about a guy like ferguson i know he was good as one year at northwestern state and we know he's big we know he's fast he ran a four four five had a 37 inch vertical 123 inch broad jump that's those are great numbers yep uh, exact same uh listed height and weight as hakeem butler uh so that's that's interesting he's he's like a he you could imagine him as not not even like dollar store hakeem butler just like uh Walmart? red red light special or blue light special is that K- does anyone know what kmart is is ever is that been out of business too long kmart's canceled okay yeah i didn't know if that's also i didn't know if that was just a wisconsin thing uh anyway it's it's not quite the dollar store but it is on sale at target or something and there it is the, 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 the yeah whatever that's jazz ferguson relative to hakeem butler so he he could be jaleel scott then he sh- i think he's better than jaleel scott right probably i had a I had a brief uh thing for for Jaleel scott but he could uh, be okay still but we'll see we'll yeah, see he's he's more so the guy you want to pick in madden because you can just you know do the deep ball toss it up thing and five nine corn even like jason verrett and madden and madden is not doing anything against jazz ferguson there we go so there's that wrinkle any other parting shots on the receivers before we move into running backs uh kind of dovetails with uh 
Paris Campbell, but it, also Terry McLaurin had a crazy combine, a four three five forty, really good vertical and broad jump to the point where I'm like, even if he's old with his production, I feel like there's a lot to work with. Like at worst case scenario, he's Ricardo Lewis or something, and okay. Ricardo Lewis was a maybe he shouldn't have been a fourth rounder, but he was one, so that's worth considering. And then even Johnny Dixon had a four four one, and he had really good numbers at Ohio State. So all three of those guys might play meaningful nfl careers which is just crazy and it that they all did so well reinforces each other's case because every criticism of whichever of the three was like oh well they only did this in the ohio state offense or like they didn't do this as much as this other guy on this other team did so he's not as good it's like if everybody involved is insanely athletic and good then you have the excuse if it's like well what do you think's gonna happen like yeah. I'm, these guys are gonna sit over here and not do anything the whole time and like the dudes that are still on campus are nasty five-star recruit type guys it's as well, totally so. ridiculous it yeah. really is ridiculous four four one that's that's slow johnny dicks uh nixon for you yeah, the other he gets yeah. chided by his school schoolyard chums yeah so uh debo samuel real quickly he he had a totally good combine i think a four four eight at two fourteen. i don't even know how he's that heavy but uh four four eight and uh 39 inch vertical 122 inch broad jump uh mock draftable had i think a perfect comp for him which was ty montgomery Oh, I know yeah, Ty Montgomery's like a running lot. back now, but it's like they did the same thing where it was like it's like why are they two why are they like pushing two twenty at six foot or less? And like how come every single time they have a big play it's a screen pass where they just like juke fifty guys and like why are they such good kick returners when they aren't that fast? And it's like I don't know, there's just something about Ty Montgomery and Debo Samuel. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, that's that's a really fun comp actually. I, I like that one. I'm not predicting a, a move to running back, to be clear. I'm just one of these truthers who thinks like Ty Montgomery's good at running back and receiver both. That's that's my issue, but just that's the background uh, information. There. Well, speaking of, let's shift our gears to the running backs who yeah. uh, you know uh, they won't warrant as much time as the receivers Bad. did because for the most part they're in trouble. Whew, boy, um, just really, really not good overall. And obviously, with 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 not good. With, with it missing uh, the presumptive number one running back in Josh Jacobs, you know that kind of shrunk the talent pool at least at the top end to a certain extent. Um, but really, I mean, even the even the other more like top ranked guys, and you know between two and five, two and six, really nothing to to write home about. I mean, even Darrell Arms Arms or, uh, Henderson. I'm sorry didn't have the greatest combine so that was a bit of a disappointment for me uh two guys that, that i felt like did uh do well for themselves um justice hill and raquel armstead yeah those two are pretty interesting i ended up comparing justice hill to ronnie hillman he ran a 4-4 flat uh it was like 196 or 198 that he weighed in at at a 510 so he had a he also had a 40 inch vertical i think and 130 broad jump i'm 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 guessing a little bit i'm trying to scroll through my stupid screen here but um anyway uh i compared him to ronnie hillman and that's going to sound like a diss because hillman didn't really do anything in the nfl but i go with comparisons like that not meaning them to be like slanderous it's just like there's some dimension somewhere where ronnie hillman turned out really good in the nfl because sometimes guys with four four speed who run for a million yards in college just turn out to be good and sometimes they don't and maybe there's no reason really for one outcome over the other so i'm comparing him to hillman because of his similar traits that way but it's really interesting with hill because he didn't have the production that i like to see quite but the tools are good enough that i i can kind of just like get over it and then i try to remember this he started over chris carson as a true freshman when he weighed like 27 pounds lighter than he does now Mm -hmm. so he added a lot of weight. That's a lot of muscle to add over three years, especially when you're, you know, getting that many carries. And he 
did it and he didn't lose his speed in the process or his you know explosiveness so that's that's pretty interesting like maybe he doesn't have star potential maybe he's not quite the big play threat that his workout metrics would lead you believe but i've i have a lot of uh trust now that he won't be uh unexpl- like i'm not worried about a paul perkins scenario or something like that oh, oh man yeah paul perkins wow yeah that was uh not that i saw that coming either but uh yeah i, I thought paul perkins was a, a swell fourth round selection uh, fifth round selection whatever he was justice fine. hill i'm not worried about that i can I, I feel like at worst he'll be uh i don't know uh not at worst geo bernard but something like that okay uh so you think maybe like fourth round fifth round i think you could go in the second or third like daryl henderson ran the four four nine i still have henderson ahead of hill but i can imagine a lot of teams don't like I, I can imagine a lot of teams have hill as their top running back i mean sometimes stuff like that just happens uh you know i don't i don't think people expected like javid best to go as high as he did it's like sometimes teams just look at a small running back who's fast and they're like we're one fast off the bench guy away like we we're we like him a lot and it would be understandable because he had a totally good career got on the field really young that's always good to see right uh it means he's not succeeding just because he has like you know experience and and uh physical maturity yeah so it's 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 not that it's like we know he was always kind of he was always young for his level and now we know he has the athletic tools so it's like even if he has bad vision or isn't a particularly good receiver it's like when you're that athletic and when you have a history of producing like that, the odds are helped pretty significantly. For sure. So um, who else in your mind uh, did a lot uh, for themselves this weekend at the running back position? Well, Damian Harris didn't do a lot or anything, and no one gave him any credit for his combine. But I think he did a totally good job. Like, I, I, I ranked him ahead of Josh Jacobs because in the meantime, I don't see what grounds I have to just assume Josh Jacobs will be this way better athlete when Harris did start ahead of him and Harris was more productive the past three years so i i'm sold on harris i compared him to sony michelle and by that i just mean like probably not a first rounder but maybe maybe just in the nick of time first rounder gotcha uh but yeah josh jacobs because everybody josh jacobs and bryce love because everybody else was so bad basically just like made money by not participating (laughs) uh whereas like yeah marquise brown at receiver it was just total disaster because everyone was going nuts scenario yeah but like jacobs jacobs and love were just could have just been like you know drinking big gulps and just like their their value meter if if you're imagining it next to them is just like ding 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 ding, like the whole the whole day um but yeah i have jacobs right behind harris but that's definitely a 1a 1b thing henderson i have is like i think my only tier two running back and i i i was a little disappointed with him but i i think it's like he compares to aaron jones a little bit because he's like so explosive for such a long time you can just have the faith that like fine if he's not outrunning everybody with raw speed he's just gonna for some reason be elusive and they won't be able to get their hands on him for some reason whatever it is uh when you have numbers like that i I just i'm like i'm gonna stop overanalyzing this it's funny how it sort of does back up your like initial thoughts on henderson when i was like kind of hyping him to you in you know november or something you were like like he's scoring these touchdowns but he doesn't look like he's that fast and it, it both of those things are true he's scoring those touchdowns but it's not at the most blazing speed imaginable. he might have also lost a little speed because i think he was he was 200 at uh wait was he at this he wasn't at the senior i feel like he was 200 in some past measurement uh so he might have he came in at 208 at the combine he might have added eight pounds of muscle and lost like 0.05 on his 40 or something like that i don't know but 
I I don't worry about him. It's one of those things where even though he might fall to the third round now, if he had run a four four flat, you might have people convincing themselves that he's a first round pick then because right. it's like, well, dude, he's, he runs a four four flat, and watch this, he goes, he has like six ninety yard touchdowns last year. So if you if you see those combos of things, it's like you you would be like, well, what reason is there to doubt him? Right. Now there's just there's a little doubt, but I think it's more so just going to make him like more affordable than he would have been otherwise. But the same player, pretty much. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm st- I'm still a big fan of his. Even yeah, I like him a lot. I have the faith water. certainly. Um, let's see. Looking elsewhere, but uh, uh, it's a uh, Dexter Williams and your guy. John was the only person who promoted Alex Barnes. Like <laughs> Alex Barnes's friends were just like, he's not that good. But John was like, you guys. I was, I was hanging out in the back with the pendant. Yeah, Alex Barnes. Uh, John was a fan of, and he had probably the best weight adjusted metrics of the running backs. Uh, it was only a four five nine forty, but at two twenty six, that's more than good enough. Yeah, I know you're not the, a Spark guy, but I think he was number one in the Spark adjusted athleticism for running backs. Yeah, Spark is. Just just you know one index sure. it's like all these none of these things are worth no model is worth just like you know horse blinders staring at two inches from your face it's like it definitely avail yourself to whatever information not everything um but we know that athleticism in various ways you can set up these models uh, you know relative to past athletic testing and uh narrow down a list of objective past outcomes and that's helpful because it's just like well gives you a little bit of a narrowing of the lens and whatever that that helps you develop perspective uh so yeah his spark is it's it's a real credit to him because at 226 the 459 that's like uh, what that's like jalen samuels royce freeman kind of uh speed but then you add the vertical of 38 and a half and the broad jump of 126 and the totally good agility numbers 11.05 between the three cone and the 20 yard shuttle and i mean not that this is like the most running back specific skill to have or whatever but it just goes to show you his strength a little bit like throwing up 34 on the bench is oh right yeah there's that too which was a record for non-fullback running he just yeah he benched his number real quick it was awesome yeah tommy bohannon you were lucky if alex barnes's number was 47 or something like that you would not have any records uh but yeah he has that one technically because they classify running backs as fullbacks so barnes is uh uh, it's like it's like ron dane donnell pumphrey part two as far as i'm concerned yeah. <laughs> it's like you guys just have the wrong numbers shut up see um, thank you but yeah dexter williams i think also had a totally good combine and not because he's necessarily that interesting in himself but like when the rest of the class fails like that um he put a, a pretty explosive combination of stats and that's good to see because that's his game like you didn't need to see him put up great agility drills because when you watch him and how he succeeded at north uh, notre dame it was just like he you know leans into into between the tackles pretty well and he holds his anchor pretty good and if a space presents itself he runs at it hard yep and so he had a four five seven forty which isn't interesting but the fact that he had a 36 inch vertical and 130 inch broad jump shows you that when a gap presents itself he can just like giddy up at it pretty well yeah Uh, and sometimes that's all that it takes like if you if you create five yards of distance there's no guarantee that the guy behind you, even if he runs like a tenth of a second faster in the 40, there's no guarantee that he catches you. Like he might be kind of tired from having to shed a block and turn around and chase you, something like that. So uh, Williams certainly created a lot of long runs at Notre Dame. Yes. I think there's reason to believe he can keep it going. I compared him to Marlon Mack as a guy who's like generally untested as a pass catcher, uh, mostly known for just like hitting a you know hole hard and running in a straight line a long distance. Um, but I, th- I think Williams is one of the few guys, along with Barnes, the Alabama guys, of having a realistic chance of turning into a starter at the NFL level, even if he's not like 
particularly likely to do it. Okay, I think that I think that's a fair thing to say. I also think that uh, someone who kind of flew under the radar but but did well for themselves uh, too in terms of just overall is Miles Sanders. I yeah, felt, totally. I felt like he he didn't qu- like Penn State last year. Like they were sort of like Ohio State this year, where like all the guys that they turned out to the combine had just preposterous workout numbers. Uh, this year, that was Ohio State. But um, when it came to Sanders, pretty much everything all around was solid to you know, <laughs> to excellent, uh, you know, at least above average in pretty much everything. And, you know, that marries up nicely with, with having uh, the solid production once he took over the starting job uh, this year. So I, I felt like, you know, he – I don't think he's much – much better than like a third rounder per se, but I, I have a hard time seeing him falling past the fourth, I guess. Yeah. I projected him as a three to five just because I still don't know what people are going to make of the fumbling. And I don't know how many of the, the 10 fumbles he was credited with on like 280 touches. I don't know how many of those were just like, he muffed a kickoff and then picked it back up immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that, I think that was at least a couple of them, but in the meantime, if it's not something like that, his fumble rate is just like the worst. It's like Sony Michelle, uh, Amir Abdullah doesn't matter. Way worse than them. Um, but if if that's not a concern, then his athleticism, like you said, it's the four four nine forty, the thirty six inch vertical, one hundred twenty four inch broad jump, good agility score of eleven point oh eight. So he is all of pretty fast pretty explosive pretty quick and i don't think there's anyone else other than like maybe the alabama guys in henderson who can truly say that like even like barnes is not fast he's just like fast for his size yeah. and he's he's pretty quick and williams is not fast he's just adequately fast and he's explosive for his size and he's not particularly quick but sanders is all of those things and on some level it's like if you're a team looking looking down at these guys you can easily rationalize like well let's just take the guy who's all of the uh, the the you know the big play correlative co- correlating uh attributes let's go with that guy and just like try to fix the fumbling thing later uh, it would be totally reasonable stance for someone to take i compared him to delon carter who was this guy who was totally good athlete and he was productive at syracuse i think was a fourth round pick for the colts and never really did much but this is again kind of like the ronnie hillman justin justice hill thing I'm not trying to condemn him to Delone Carter's uh, career outcome. It's like, I, I just kind of think he'll be like a third or fourth round pick who doesn't really get on the field right away. But if he does, who knows? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's round it out for the running backs. Uh, one guy who probably knocked himself maybe out of the draft completely is Elijah Holyfield. I think so. Out of Georgia. I mean, just terrible numbers across the board. Um, I think there is, you know, maybe some hope even, I mean, the, the 40 was prohibitively bad to begin with, you know, running in the four seven high four sevens for a running back is just, uh, um, can't do it. But I thought, I thought he would have the lower body strength to put up some decent jumps and that didn't end up being the case either. Maybe so. he's just like all weight room muscle. He's like gotta just, be just like, you know, in that case, it's like I'm surprised he didn't just like pull his hamstring every single play, you know. Um, but anyway, something's off there. I don't know if he maybe he'll test better at his pro day, but I, I, it's it's puzzling. He didn't look that slow on tape. Uh, I have no idea. Slow-ish though. I mean, I don't think either of us were really seeing anything much better than like the high four fives for him. Oh, I was. Yeah, I was thinking like four six five kind of thing. But yeah, four eight almost. I did not see coming at all. No, uh, it reminds me a lot actually, and it, it's an eerie parallel in a way almost uh just from like the uh the prior 
athlete bloodlines thing, but it reminds me a lot of James Wilder Jr. at Florida State, who also declared early in his dad. His dad was not a famous boxer, but was rather just a Tampa Bay Buccaneers running back in the 80s or whatever, in 90s or something. Uh, but James Wilder Jr., had a totally good Florida State career, just like Holyfield had a totally good career at Georgia, but then he ran like a four eight five at the combine, and just disappeared forever. Maybe you know, and this guy ended up with with mostly better athleticism, but not not great in any sense. But maybe a little bit of Peyton Barber trajectory. That could it, even he ran a four six three or four or something four six correct. four or something like that. So I don't know. It's it's anything's pretty much possible but it's just like the odds are so far against him unless he runs something like a 462 at the georgia pro day or something and maybe he could maybe he's just been training maybe it's like he trained for the 40 by like squatting 800 pounds and 10 times you know <laughs> i don't know i don't know what he's been doing but it's like whatever he, that was don't do that again yeah it's a bad idea just like just do stop it, stop working out whatever it is that you're doing yeah. but uh, i want to really quickly uh travis homer i thought did a really good job and he actually has a profile to me kind of similar to carry on johnson especially in that he's really young he doesn't turn 21 until august so even though he's only 201 pounds travis homer i feel like the 448 he ran the 39 and a half inch vertical 130 inch broad jump might be figures he can keep up even if he adds 10 pounds because it's like maybe by the time he's like 22 23 he grows into it yeah like he might not be done developing physically so he's pretty interesting in a class that lacks explosiveness and lacks interest at running back uh he could get some helium in like the mid rounds i thought before he was looking like a sixth seventh guy and i think he could go as high as like the late third now uh and i think david montgomery did totally okay him and benny snell did just fine for their games i don't really care about either one but if anyone lost the faith because montgomery had a 28 inch vertical or if snell ran a 466 it's like you what were you what were you watching before that made you like them so much yeah yeah it's like whatever if you liked them before there's no reason to bail on them because they were they were certainly not going to be the guys that that crush the combine i actually moved up montgomery like five spots so like i don't want to hear very honorable of you can i say the b i I won't say it but i don't want to hear it you know i'm I'm being so fair now moving them up to 32 see a, a true altruistic move there uh by selfless you. yeah i don't know just a just a good guy but um the tight, the tight ends, ends were kind of a bummer i thought i mean noah fant had a really great uh test he uh D- does he become your tight end one no, still no i'm i'm not a hater i'm not but i'm i don't really believe in him i i know a four five forty a 39 and a half inch vertical 127 inch broad he was really agile 11.03 agility score those are awesome numbers, and I do not mean to dissuade anybody from investing in him because th- those are great marks. And he was pretty productive the last two years, especially two years ago. He wasn't so good last year. But when I watch the tape, I I just don't like it. And I know this is crap, flimsy analysis, but I don't like what I see with him. I don't – and I, I, I could tell you probably better specifics if I watched more, but I didn't like the way he looked. He didn't look like a tight end doing smoothly you – know, smoothly executing tight end – tasks and i feel like that is not just an optical illusion because it's like how did he end up less productive than hawkinson then hawkinson ran two tenths of a second slower in the 40 had really good jumps and agility agility marks himself and he does remain my tight end one i lowered him a little bit because i think the talk of him the idea of him going top 15 is nonsense now in my awesome. opinion if he had if he had run like a four five five i would be like okay hawkinson top 15 whatever but now it's like he'll be just at the sweet spot for like his cost and the value he can give you because now it's like he'll go to a good team maybe hopefully i mean i think he's he'll probably go to like i don't know the 25th through like 34th pick kind of thing i compare i 
categorized him similar to Kyle Rudolph and John Carlson, but for whatever it's worth, I think he's better than those two. Yeah. Uh, I comped him to Todd Heap, even though I think probably Hawkinson's like a little more gritty, hard nose than Heap was. Heap was pretty much just like a pass catcher from well, what you, I... You're just saying that because he went to Arizona State and was good looking. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> I like Todd Heap. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was he was a really good player, <laughs> especially for all those injuries. Um, but yeah, I, basically, I, I'm optimistic for Hawkinson. Heap had a really good career as a late first-round pick before the injuries, and I, I guess I'm kind of angling for that outcome. With fans, I mean, there's a long history of really athletic tight ends who were even productive in college who just did nothing in the NFL. I named Doran Dickerson and Chris Gregg in this this article that i posted but there's other guys there's like lj smith Fasante shanko who had like okay careers but they just didn't do anything really sure and i have that fear about fans and for whatever it's worth i was a kittle fan it's not like i look at iowa tight ends and just go like these guys suck uh i watched but kittle you, you were on him early too and kittle didn't do anything at iowa i was that was like i was watching i was like throw it to kittle you idiots <laughs> and they're just like he's such a good blocker you shut up i was like no he's, he's fast and smith or something yeah i was like stop throwing it to henry krieger Koble. Um, but that's, so that's what they were doing. And yeah, to their credit, now they're just like, let's only throw it to our tight ends from now on, which is much better idea. But I liked Kittle. It's not like I look at Iowa and hate what they did. And for whatever it's worth, they had other guys like Tony Moyaki and CJ Fedorowicz and Fedorowicz has had a totally okay career before the concussions piled up. It could have been good. Yeah, it could have been good, but he, he was like, he had like a three cone that was insane. He was totally good in college. I think he was even like the number one tight end recruit for his class. And he still was just like a third round, just a guy. Okay. Um, and he was he was a good blocker and everything. He was he was also like twenty five pounds heavier than Fant. So I get the enthusiasm for Fant. I really do. But I feel like the perspective, of, like the perspective is missing if people are saying like he's some kind of like rare specimen. I just don't think that's true. Okay. I, maybe a little bit of it to me feels like people hanging on to the their rankings from before the season even that and i think it's chasing kittle uh, i think that's yeah, a big there, part a of it of that too. um but for what it's worth I'm, I'm like bashing fans but i have him ranked 23rd out of the 36 so mm-hmm. uh i compare him to jared cook who i think is like a good compromise comparison because cook was a uh, he also was an insane athlete yes and he he was underproductive relative to his tools he fell to the third round i don't think fans gonna fall to the third round but i think cook is his kind of career trajectory like he gets drafted by somebody He's just a little rough around the edges, doesn't really get on the field as much as everyone hopes his first three years. Maybe he needs to go to his second contract before he gets before he breaks out and probably does eventually for at least a couple of years. Okay. All right. I think that's a reasonable uh, take on him. Uh, what did you make of Irv Smith? Because I feel like he didn't quite do what we wanted. Yeah, it was disappointing. I, I don't mean to write him off because if nothing else, he has just as good or better of size adjusted 40 time as jordan reed and he was really productive and he showed real skills on tape so that's that's not nothing right um but the thing is he had bad uh he had bad agility drills and jumps for especially for his weight but by even tight ends in a vacuum so that's to say he was well below the standard set by guys who were probably 20 pounds heavier than him Mm. and you can uh, jordan reed did not run agility tests for what it's worth so it's it's almost like a slight uh, analogy to like the dk metcalf uh how do we know what we don't know when when calvin johnson doesn't do the test like jordan reed made it work he didn't run the test for all we know he could have had testing just as bad in the agility drills and the jumps as irv smith but we don't know that right. and what if he wouldn't have what if he had good number what if he could have had decent or at least better numbers than irv smith so i feel like there's some real risk with irv smith schrodinger's box jump what's that schrodinger's box jump what is sorry i it, 
Never mind. I don't know the cat thing. Oh, right? Okay. Is that, I told you I don't see movies. I've seen like Fight Club, and that's it. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry. I, at least the audience. I'm, I'm just going like, to cancel myself. No, no, don't. You're not canceled. Uh, and also, that's not what people are canceled for. That's true. Uh, but yeah, uh, the audience was like, I'm stumbling here at the end. The audience was like, John, that's a good reference, Mario. Uh, quit being a philistine moron read a book or something uh, i can't even <laughs> I don't watch think they would tell you that i can't even watch a, a movie how am i going to read a book um but yeah anyway I, I ended up comparing irv smith to Janu smith and this and i still have the faith in Janu, but he's been a, he was a little disappointing to me last year so that's kind of like my cop-out compromise comparison for irv smith like if he goes in the second or third round i wasn't wrong i said Janu smith yeah you know? all right uh let's see looking elsewhere um any other tight ends kind of stand out to you? I felt like a Foster Moreau out of out of LSU did pretty well for himself. Um, I think that his his testing and his comparables look, look pretty solid. I think he could be you know a, a decent ish uh, tight end with it, that plays you know longer than five years. I thought Caleb Wilson uh, had the Jacob Tammy sort of similar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I liked that uh, pretty fast uh, for him. So I like I always liked Caleb Wilson. I think that this past year you can kind of look look past the the lack of great production just because ucla was such a trash heap uh when he really kind of broke out two years ago before he injured his foot uh he was josh rosen's guy so i mean i felt like uh he's someone that to keep an eye on i'm like a little worried that he's another thomas duarte but that's also probably just me reducing all bruins tight ends to the same thing at least he was more productive and then um another guy more a little bit on the periphery here but i thought josh oliver had a pretty decent uh combine among the tight ends you know good frame big hands a really good 40 yard dash for the position uh played for a terrible san jose state team so it's right. hard to really make a ton of his pr- production uh but he did have 24 percent of the market share uh there the the yards per target kind of inarguably bad like 6.7 so like there's that element to it but I, I really do feel like the quarterback play and the just overall system at san jose state did him absolutely zero favors so i think for him to come out and have a good combine at least puts him on the on the draft radar yeah and i think the tight ends generally disappointed a little bit so someone like those guys could gain i mean caden smith is basically off the board after barely breaking five seconds i don't know how that's possible you know who else did that isaac nada isaac five, Na- oh five yeah, star yeah recruit isaac nada with a five second forty yard dash, and I think I, I think I he was actually like it. almost twenty pounds lighter than Smith too, so that's pretty <sighs> rough. Was so bad. Uh, they're both undrafted. I don't. I, I, they're, they're, neither one is real. I don't believe either exists. But uh, Kahale Waring is another tight end who had a really good combine go. out of San Diego State. I don't know anything about him. Like I didn't watch him play well, at they, all. I mean, they did, they don't throw the ball at San Jose or San Diego State. Right. So like for he anything had f- he had production wise is bonus. Right. He had a few nice games, and it's like you could you could see it now you're like looking back it's like oh yeah that kind of adds up a little bit for what it's worth he ran a four six seven had a 36 and a half inch vertical 122 inch broad jump those are all really good numbers uh for uh a six foot five 242 tight end, pound tight end so he could be a guy who crashes like the second or third round i think even especially with irv smith sliding um he's probably awesome as a blocker I would imagine he's got a lot of reps at the yep. very least yeah so <laughs> and the run uh, game was real good there so i mean it, things are boding well for him in that sense the last uh san diego state tight end to go high was gavin escobar but i think that warring is actually a much better athlete if i remember right escobar ran like a four eight or something like that so he still got drafted in like the second round. yeah cowboys are stupid they, yeah. <laughs> they they got jason witten and martellus bennett right but they also spent a, like this was back with parcells they spent a second round pick when they already had witten i think 
on Anthony Fasano who ran like a four nine and it was ridiculous. It was like, like, oh, Bill Parcells, he's just going to take the the New Jersey goon guy from Notre Dame because that's what Bill Parcells would do. And then he absolutely he goes seat. straight toward him, like heat-seeking. He's like, we got to get Anthony Fasano. He's just a good guy. I can feel it. Oh, no. Um, he's, he's good stock. Um, but, yeah, that, that, they're not as dumb as they used to be. Like, to the, even Dallas's credit, like, they've started taking, like, Jarwin and uh, – the other guys who can run at least a little bit, but Cahill, if, if Gavin Escobar is worth a second round pick, which you know, he's not, he's not, but if he can trick teams into thinking he is, then warring, I think could crash the second or third round. I don't think anyone should find it surprising if he goes ahead of Irv Smith. Wow. Dang. That's uh but nice. like, that's like, that's like warring going, you know, like second, third round kind of turn and Smith going like five picks later. Kind sure, of thing. I don't, sure. I don't actually, I would not rank warring ahead of Smith. I don't have warring in my top 36 and I still left Irv Smith at 28 forever for whatever that's worth. All right. Any other last parting shots on the tight ends? No, I don't really either. Um, so I, I guess, uh, at quarterback, I want to quickly mention Tyree Jackson ran a four five nine forty, which is insane for a six seven two hundred and fifty pound guy. Also had good agility drills, good uh, good jumps, and those are for quarterbacks who are probably thirty pounds lighter than him that he's being compared to. With that, he ran a little bit at Buffalo, and we know his whole thing otherwise is that he's tall and has a cannon arm. So if that's what made Josh Allen good, if if like chucking the ball eighty yards a couple times a game pushes the safeties and the linebackers back, and that lets the room for Josh Allen, who ran like a four seven seven or something like that, he wasn't as athletic or even close to Tyree Jackson's numbers. If that works, which it pretty much did last year, how is Tyree Jackson not capable of that kind of offense? Yeah, I think, you know, if you get into like that, that like third tier, second or third tier of quarterbacks, I kind of have Murray and Haskins in one. And then I would imagine Drew Locke and Daniel Jones, whether I like it or not, are another tier. If you're, you know, sitting there around pick 40 or something and you have like a, you know, a pick to go why not bet on jackson yeah for not it's interesting this is probably too aggressive on my part but i actually put him one spot ahead of haskins haskins is way better prospect but it's like we're chasing you know rushing yards and fantasy and if you're at the 25th pick there's a really high bust rate haskins is not as high of a bust rate as jackson so maybe i should just flip the two and maybe that'll take care of it but i mean what if jackson gets on the field you know it's like he he should be able to do all the same things Allen did and even better uh he he has his wind-up issue but i don't think that's as big of an issue as Allen's accuracy or anything like that sure. so uh if he can be accommodated with that brian dable kind of offense like jackson could be just a menace as a runner like cam newton style runner so much, at least so much buffalo stuff going on in my head right now yeah like i don't yeah, he he's he's a it's a perfect like branding opportunity too because like the Buffalo quarterback he not because he played there but because he is one. There there right? we go. <laughs> yeah, so he he could be pretty interesting in a like postmodern Greg Roman style offense, uh, Brian Dable style offense, and also shout out Trace McSorley four four five seven in the forty. Going to be a uh, safety number eight. Why not? I, I he can't play quarterback. He must have grit. That he does, yeah. So I mean, he you should, want you want grit in your safety or something, but yeah, he, he was like he's just so undersized, but he's 
like he's legitimately like a pretty athletic guy. Oh, Easton Stick is probably the next Julian Edelman or something annoying like that because oh, he had a, no. he had like a he had an insane three cone. He apparently is a North uh, Dakota State guy, so it's like. Yeah. I'm wondering if we need to actually reconsider. Maybe he could just be a real quarterback pick in this draft because that's the Senior Bowl would have gone like they probably gave him so many chances, or the the bar was lowered a little bit for him to to make it to Mobile. He was and he didn't. Oh, okay. I was going to say I didn't remember him there. hmm, That's true. That's fair. I don't know. I, Either way, I, though, a skeptic. Edelman out of Kent State ran like this whatever three cone he did that got Belichick interested. If if Belichick has that certain itch, he tends to get Easton Stick. It's also got the kind of name that's just really annoying. Where it's like, that's not a real name. Why are you? <laughs> Who why are this? you sticking this in? Like, we're going to be watching like sixty-three-year-old Tom Brady throwing touchdowns, uh, you know, Super Bowl touchdowns to Easton Stick, and it's like you're just going to have to deal with that 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 the 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 words the name east and stick like flashing on the screen and it's just like you're you're just like buried in your sorrow as like that's the aesthetic of those letters that particular word just being drilled into your softening skull it's it's something i'm really afraid of but he's probably pretty good to be fair as like a you know sixth seventh round kind of receiver tweener prospect so you think for sure he he probably tries to go that route i mean quicks play in the slot and he had an insane i I should just look it up uh but he had a really good three cone even by like receiver numbers and granted i got my hopes up for seth russell turning into a receiver because he had like a low four five kind of thing at like six two two twenty or whatever um but yeah easton stick at six one career altering ankle injury though like that ankle injury is pretty gnarly but yeah, uh, Easton Sick at 6'1", 224, only a 4.6240, but a 6.65 three cone and a 4.05 20 yard shuttle. So uh, that that also beat DK Metcalf and Tom Brady. <laughs> oh my god! Well, if you can beat Brady, then you know you're good. But yeah, so he, he's he's not someone that I can put in like my top fifty right now. But if if you're in like some insanely deep dynasty league, keep an eye on him at least. If if you if you go like if you go like eight rounds maybe consider him because he's literally perhaps the quickest player in the draft oh, that is insane i did not uh see that coming. i didn't see it coming either yeah do you have any other last parting shots before we sign off here uh no uh it's it, i think it's an insanely good receiver class the running backs aren't so good but uh, i feel like for for dynasty leagues it's a good year to trade back even if you like a lot of guys at the top because there's just there's just so much depth at receiver yeah, exactly that depth at receiver is going to be kind of like potentially that certainly the story of this combine and could end up being uh the story of this draft class overall so that's going to do it for today's combine specific edition of the rotowire nfl podcast we will be back next week getting you ready for nfl free agency here at rotowire